welcome back to the High People Podcast, episode number four, which is super exciting and it's been awesome to hear your feedback and thank you so much for that feedback and we're going to continue to get better and bring you some better stories as we go along. If you haven't already, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook at High People Podcast and hit subscribe on wherever you happen to be listening to today's episode. Your support does mean the world to me. So today's episode, we've got Pat. Capucci, who is a barber, musician, surfer, skater, and a local legend, particularly in the 2096 postcode of Freshwater. Super, super excited to get into this conversation as he is such a great bloke, full of stories, and really, really awesome barber as well. So looking forward to hearing what he has for that. So without further ado, this is the story of Pat Capucci. Today's guest uh, is a bit of a legend, I'm not going to lie, local legend, particularly here in Freshwater, Sydney, where I'm located. Uh, he's a barber, a muso, a surfer, uh, an all-around good bloke, and I'm really looking forward to, to hearing his story. So welcome, uh, Pat, to the High People Podcast, mate. It's so good to have you on. Thanks for having us, brother. I'm stoked that you invited me on. Uh, it's really cool. I think um, you know something for me is I want to you know, share people's stories, get to know people, but also understand them. And um, I think, you know, knowing a little bit about you um, and knowing, you know, the stuff that you do with Freshwater, with Flying Tiger Barbershop and the like um, is awesome. And I want people to know more about that. But I suppose, you know, it is tough at the moment for you. You know, you have a small business. You have um, had, in a sense, had to shut your doors for the last uh, long period of time now. So how's it been for you at the moment with, with COVID and, um, what have you been doing in the process to, to keep yourself busy? Well, fortunately, uh, a lot of the government funding has helped out with, with keeping the business afloat and paying rent and bills and, and all the like uh, with that sort of thing. Um, but as far as what's been happening in the two-month period, it's been quite, uh, quite good, to be honest, on like a creative and musical and family front. Um, there's been a heap of little projects that, both myself and the wife have been doing and the dog's absolutely loving all this family time too, I think. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, I think we'll, we'll get into a few of those, but mate, I suppose it all, it all starts from, from the beginning. We, have you always been a, a Northern Beaches boy, born and bred or where we, where'd you grow up and, and what was some of those highlights? No, so I've only been oh, in Sydney as a whole and the beaches for maybe six years, but it would have been maybe 12 years ago I moved to Sydney. Uh, but I, I grew up in Maitland in the Hunter Valley and then in teenage and later years in Newcastle. So it was quite different, like upbringing and just life in general uh, in Maitland and Newcastle compared to, to how we have it now here. But it was it was something that I felt had to be done. And like a lot of folks, uh, they kind of they move away from their hometown to, to discover the world and and everything else, I guess. Hmm. So you went to high school um, in Newcastle. Did you go all the way through to, to year 12 or did you jump out at year 10 or what was that process? No, um, where we went was a little bit further in the Hunter Valley in Lochinvar, which is kind of, it's one of the main highways on the way through to, to what we all know now as the wine regions. <laughs> uh, but I, I just went on to year 10. I absolutely hated school and just 
at the time now looking back on it, I can understand everything that the teachers had tried to, to tell me to do and <laughs> tried to get me to straighten out a bit, but just, <laughs> I think just killing any of the creativity and uh, any kind of niche little kind of thing I wanted to, to get into and learn uh, that was just shot down in flames. So I got out in year 10 when I was 16 and just wanted to get into the world. Oh, that is awesome. And I think, you know, from that, obviously, so many creative little projects um, occur. And, I, you know, it's funny, though, I think, you know, my, my old man's a teacher, and I think he's always encouraged guys, um, you know, in a sense, similar story, like, if, if there's no point, you're going on to year 11 and 12, and, and you want to do a trade, or you want to explore other parts, like, there's kind of no point, um, you know, going on to 11 and 12. Is that is that how you felt? Like, were you just sort of keen to get out there, explore the world and, and you know, move into, in a sense, a new journey like outside of school definitely brother yeah um it was kind of hard at the time to picture exactly what that was going to look like yeah but um i just didn't feel that that was the place that was going to do it for me and going on to to year 11 and 12 and then potentially uni at the time it just it had no appeal to me whatsoever so you leave school um and then as you sort of said, you know, what, what did the next steps look like? So what was the, the six months to the year um, after you leaving school? Did you, you know, get into a trade? Did you go into work or, or wh- where did this process lead you to? Where, what was the next step for Pat? Yeah, there's was, there was a few steps, three kind of main ones that uh, signify where I am now and, and a few other steps that had happened. Uh, I was already playing music at the time, just with my buddies in, in a lot of punk bands and kind of only discovering blues and rockabilly and Western swing, all those kind of styles at the time. So I I didn't really know what to do with music and where that would take me. But at the same time, I had discovered and was interested in hairdressing and and then barbering too, because barbering wasn't as much of a thing as it is now. So I kind of made a false start at a hairdresser's doing an apprenticeship. And I don't know what had happened. Like the, the owner, I think she was having some some difficult times and I only lasted two weeks and uh, I, I lost the job and then the shop closed down and mum and dad being quite old school kind of forced me into doing some kind of trade and apprenticeship and then uh, I was, I wouldn't say forced, but I was definitely kind of pushed upon to do something and ended <laughs> up being uh, a printing and machining uh, trade, which essentially like you print newspapers, letterheads, business cards, and did that for, for four years, got my trade doing that. And then it kind of through that process, a lot of other things had happened over that four year period. But that was kind of what that six month period looked like straight after school. Yeah, right. So, you know, you've got an early insight to obviously what is your, your trade now with, with spoiler alerts, we'll, we'll get there to that. But, um, so that's really interesting. So you, you, you sort of, you're working away four years doing your, your print trade from there. I suppose throughout this, this process and, you know, having the stint at the hairdressers was, was being a barber um, at the, the forefront of the mind was like the print trade, I suppose, a bit of a, a means to an end, trying to set you up for what is, you know, your business today? Yeah, I guess essentially it, it is. I maybe didn't think of it like that at the time. Like I still kind of, I now my skill was in, in regards to barbering at the time were non-existent, to be honest, because I only had done two weeks at the hairdressers. Um, but I still really was interested in, in how haircuts looked and the, the shape of them and how you kind of would would get to that look. And I would cut my mate's hair. And uh, as I said earlier, like we were very much into the, 
the punk kind of scene and then which turned into rockabilly and everything else and uh, my friends during that whole four-year period as a printer were willing kind of participants in in me cutting and learning and just figuring out what to do so there was some absolute great haircuts and some crook ones bro but just kind of uh really really kind of got the ball rolling just thinking about you know what to do next and where i am now i suppose i suppose a little side note to that uh considering lockdown and considering that your skilled hands haven't been cutting people's hair have you, have you seen some absolute <laughs> shocker of a home do haircuts flying around at the moment oh bro i was thinking about that um before we had a conversation like i thought that might come up and yeah just doing doing the walk around our area just oh it's it's hard to describe if people who are listening haven't seen it but i guess if you could basically get a ruler and rule up about 10 centimeters up from your ear and then from the front of your eye back and just shave that bit out bald that seems to be the definite look that's going around at the moment and i don't know what to say about that that's uh artistic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's it's not the pat method of approval that's for sure and you end up at flying tiger you don't get the 10 centimeter ruler shaved uh fade we'll call it with inverted inverted oh, commas. <laughs> very inverted <laughs> oh man it's hilarious like um obviously i, I get my hair cut at, at flying tiger with you and you know, not having to do it my missus yeah, she watched heaps of videos. She had a crack, and, and look, she did. T- she did pretty good, to be honest. She just did the sides, and she did, you know, the the one, and then the two, and then three, and then mixed it all up. Nice. And they have taken her, and it took her an hour in comparison to you, where you do it in twenty five minutes. Um, you know, <laughs> but she she did well. Uh, I think it's hilarious, and I think you know, seeing you know memes of people getting haircuts and everything. I suppose your your demand is going to be extremely high when we come back, <laughs> which I suppose then leads me. So so you've got you've got this, you know, you've done this thing. Where, where's the full-time transition in, into barbering? Where, where does that, where does that kick off for you? Where, where's, what's the day or the moment where you go, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start this, this journey. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of other things uh, while I was a printer, like in those early years that were kind of happening with music as well. And Mm. As the band kind of started getting a little bit more popular um, and the band is, is kind of as it is now as well, um, we started touring more and more and we were in Brisbane. This is maybe 13, 13, 13 years ago, I guess. Um, and a friend took me to get a haircut at a place called Barebones Barbershop. And that was really the first time that I'd seen a barbershop run by young dudes that were kind of into similar things that we are into like music, skateboarding, surfing. And it just was an absolute shock at the time because it just, it wasn't a thing maybe in America and Europe, definitely, but in Australia uh, and definitely within our kind of groups, like I just had never seen that. And that really kind of made me think there and then like, wow, like I'd be stoked to, to be able to kind of do this full time and, and try to have that similar vibe, you know? Yeah, awesome. And, you know, the music journey is something I definitely going to want to approach and <laughs> yeah. get, to, get to at the end because, as you know, I've got a couple of your, your vinyl records of your tunes and, and love love your tunes that you create. So you get inspired Thanks, by Bare Bones Barbershop um, and a couple of worlds collide, I suppose, with, with surfing, skating um, and barbers. And I suppose, yeah, you're, not, you're right in the sense that barbers were not that common um, even when, you know, you and I were growing up. It was just you went to the hairdresser, you got a haircut there. Um, what was 
you know, the, the next step, you know, you've got your band, you've got that. What was the point where you were like, right, you know, did you, did you open up a business straight away? Did you, you know, do, do a trade? Did you, you sit under some people? Um, how, how did that next step um, go from there? Yeah, well, I, I did a trade, but before I did that, uh, kind of following on from my willing friends who are letting me cut their hair, I kind of continued doing that through the years. And uh, every time I was in Bare Bones or any other shop uh, at home in Maitland, Newcastle, and then touring like Sydney and, and Brisbane and so on, I would be always watching what the, the barbers would be doing and kind of seeing any of the habits that they would be doing like through the haircut, like what side they would start on, what they'd pick up first, what they would finish with. And just kind of, I guess, subconsciously, those things were getting stuck in my mind. And then when I eventually moved to Sydney, I did a trade um, at a local little small barber shop. And uh, even before I started the trade, I just kind of uh, went in and just watched like just for free, just for the fun of it, just to, to learn and pick up what he was doing. And then fast forward a few more years again, and then a shop from Noosa called Captain Sipsops, which was definitely the kind of the forerunner for, for what we see now everywhere, which was basically barber shop, surf shop, and all those things. And kind of like a, a nod to bare bones as well, but uh, they opened up in Manly and asked me to manage the shops. So I was super stoked and just psyched that that, that was kind of um, what the future was going to look like. And it was amazing. It was epic. That's awesome. Sounds like a really good like sliding doors moment. You know what I mean? Like you did your time by just sitting at the at the feet, sort of a bit of a tutelage of understanding what what it looks like, how to go about it, and then then all of a sudden you're you're working in in Manly, um, in a, in a barber shop. And I suppose to to move the story forward, you now you know have a small business called you know Flying Tiger barbershop in in freshy what was the what was the inspiration um in regards to i suppose the name even the location and, and what what was it that you wanted to achieve um i think anyone who kind of who does anything i guess always hopes to maybe do something of their own maybe put their own mark on it and i guess the shop now is definitely a representation of that and just having a clean minimalist kind of space that we can focus on the work create something really nice for the community and just have a really nice atmosphere, non-judgmental, everyone's welcome. And I guess from, from working over the years and, and going to different shops and just appreciating certain things that different people in different places offered and we just really wanted to bring that to the shop. And I feel like we've achieved that to some extent, always trying to improve on certain aspects. But, yeah, it's, it's a constant kind of evolving thing, Flying Tiger, for sure. Yeah, definitely. The one thing that I love, and you know, I've had my hair cut by yourself and and your other staff that that work in the flying tire shop, is that the consistency, but also the, I think the attitude towards the shop. So it, it's not a if you want to go get your hair cut and say absolutely nothing and sit in the chair, Fly Tiger is, is not the shop for you. You know, I love <laughs> the fact that we can sit down. We have you know we have some of the best chats, and and that was it from day one. I remember Dave. Um, 
my mate uh, who lived in Freshie said, mate, you need a haircut. You need to go see Pat. You know, Pat's a legend. You know, he, you know, it's awesome. And the be- and he said to me, the best thing about it too, he's a, a legend of a bloke to talk to. And I suppose that's the one thing that, that I've, I've noticed in, in Flying Tigers, that whenever you go in, um, you know, it, it's like an old friend um, cutting your hair. Is that is that something that you were really keen on? Or is that just, a, I suppose, a natural part of, of you as a person moving into that business? Yeah, I think it, it just comes naturally, but more so, I guess, from a psychological point, like you you want to kind of feel comfortable and like at ease anywhere you go. So maybe I, I thought about it a bit deeper before we opened or before I did anything, but I think it just came came naturally when I started cutting. Like the person who's in the chair with you is there for at least half an hour. It's pretty boring and awkward if you're sitting there doing nothing but staring at the wall, you know? <laughs> yeah. And like, I think everyone has a story and um, I think I've said it to you before and, and I speak to the wife about it a lot, but just the amount you can learn off someone just from just asking them about their day and then just having a kind of uh, an ear that is willing to listen and just let someone get their story out. Like it's, it's a, it's a good feeling for, for both of the, the people involved. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's something that's lost with COVID at the moment, unfortunately, but it's something that I look forward to get back to for sure. Yeah, definitely. Mate, we should just set up the microphone down at the shop for one day. I reckon we could get a hundred episodes <laughs> just, <laughs> just from listening to all types of different, different walks. I think, um, I suppose, you know, it's, it's hard at the moment, but, you know, you, you've said that your creative mind is, is flowing, you know, and you said, you stated that, you know, Flying Tiger is in that process and you're always trying to learn. You know, do you have a specific dream for it? Do you have a specific direction that you want it to go? Is there, you know, what's the what's the next steps? If there is a, a next steps for, for Flying Tiger, what, what does that look like for you and, and the business owners? Yeah, well, I think where we're at at the moment, there's a lot of different factors happening um, obviously with the, with the pandemic and then uh, the situation in freshwater too, like there's a lot of development happening and we're kind of, we're not um, out of that unfortunately because the, the street and where the shop is now, that's been bought and eventually that's going to get knocked down and that's just a reality and that's okay. But I think we're going to continue flying Tiger in Freshie for sure, but just how we'll do that and what we'll do, we're not super certain yet, but we definitely still want to mm. be involved in the community because it's it's just such a an unreal thing to, to think that we've been able to build uh, a business like that and have such a great supportive kind of group of people that come through the doors and uh, it's it's going to be interesting. We're kind of, we're just, we're sitting on a few ideas. I don't want to let too many ideas out just yeah. yet. But... <laughs> That's with that in mind <laughs> yeah but we're not going anywhere that's one thing for certain oh that's awesome and uh, i think my hair is glad to hear that as well that you're not going anywhere <laughs> that, that's i think a lot of other blokes as well uh, you'll have mate you'll have lines out the door honestly once uh Arnie gladys lets <laughs> us uh, go back to to reality and and i suppose normal per se Mate, that, yeah. that's awesome. I think it's really, really cool because, you know, the way I hear that is, you know, you, you took some time, you, you watched, you learnt, um, and then a couple of sliding door moments you, you took. And I suppose, you know, that's that's inspiring to think that, you know, you sort of chased a bit of a, a dream there. And it, it kind of segues nicely into the, the music side of things, I know, which you've, you've sort of explained a little bit. But 
I want to take you right back. You know, what was the, <laughs> what was the, in a sense, the first instrument you picked up? Was it the guitar, mate? Did you pick up the guitar straight away? Is it, you know, what, what was that first experience? What was that first time you experienced music and actually playing music? Yeah, well, it was, yeah, to answer the question, it was the guitar. Um, I just, I can't remember a time when there wasn't one around. Dad played. Uh, and in the spare room, there was always like his guitar laying there. And um, I don't know, it just maybe kind of, again, like subconsciously stuck to the noggin of seeing it and then seeing him play it. And then I'd naturally pick it up and make sounds. But I can maybe remember around five or so, I started being curious to be able to play it. And then it would have been around seven or eight at school. There was... Uh, like music lessons and a friend actually reminded me the other day there was a song called Bill Groban's Goat and that was the first song that I learned on guitar (laughs) what a title what a title (laughs) was it was it something that you just you found that you were you were naturally you know good at did you did you pick it up quick or was it something you had to sort of you know really grind and, and work on um, maybe the early years, it, it kind of it flowed and I, I didn't understand kind of like practice routines or, or building habits to, to lead to, to better playing. I think I just played for the fun of it and hmm. I was just really obsessed with a lot of older music and, <clears throat> pardon me, and the Beatles and bands from like the 60s and onwards. And yeah, I, I don't know. It just it always just seemed really appealing and it was what I did, like played guitar rode a pushy and, and skateboarded and it just was one of those things like as a kid you're not really giving it any more deeper thought than just coming home from school and picking it up for the fun of it and uh maybe as the years went on when i got to my teens i, I really understood how important it kind of started to become to me and it it became an identity i guess yeah that is awesome and now, the big question now, I think everybody who picks up a guitar, anybody who hits the drums or, or does whatever, has that initial first band and they have that initial first band name. Mate, what was your first band? Um, was it in the garage of your parents or you know, what, what type of music was it and how good or how awful were you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were called Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and we were like a, oh, a 1977 punk inspired band um, and we kind of we did some early recordings I can't say they were that bad because we're really focused How and good. we really wanted to be good yeah like it was just always a conscious drive uh, just to, to get good and kind of to, to play like the guys that were listening to at the time and a lot of those guys who were listening to, they were kind of later teens. So it was kind of achievable in a way, I guess, to hmm. to try to get to that kind of stage and effort that they were they were playing at as well. And yeah, it was definitely in the the family's garage and, and the bass playing in the drummer's garage too. And uh, it was a lot of fun, brother. It was a lot of fun. So at what age, Pat, did you think, you know, you know what, maybe there's maybe there's something in this, you know, maybe there's a career, maybe, you know, getting to the point now where you are in, in your career with music, what was the, I suppose the, the switch moment where you went, you know what, actually we can, we can make something of this. <laughs> well, I don't really know if I thought we we're going to make something of it because the music <laughs> we play 
or then and even now is not really appealing or that appealing on a mainstream kind of uh, uh audience and significance kind of thing but um probably around like 14 or 15 is when i really kind of came to the idea that i, that I wanted to pursue it as a as a lifetime kind of goal i guess yeah awesome so if you mentioned your your music style before now mm-hmm. what, what was what was the in the appeal to that so you said it was you know it's a little bit outside the mainstream market now what was the appeal to that either like early punk rock or where where it's evolved to now and you know was there any major inspirations um that you had around this music at an early age or was it something you just went i just like the sound of this and this is what i just want to play yeah i think it, it definitely came like as you say like it just was something that uh, I don't even know how I kind of discovered it. I, I do remember at one point, Dad taking me to the record store in Newcastle, which was a big thing because it was like a 45-minute drive from Maitland to Newcastle at the time. And he got me um, a Sex Pistols vinyl and a Clash vinyl. And um, and from that, that kind of really opened my eyes, especially to, to other bands and then other kind of styles and ideas. But I think I was always quite different and an individual with with what I was into and uh, there was no like signifying moment to, to say why I went that way but just I guess one of those inherent kind of things that I was born with I guess but uh, that definitely kind of led me down the path with unique music that I listened to and played to, to where we are now and the kind of roots based kind of music we do now. So what would you you know what if you were to classify the the genre um, that that you play at the moment and your band plays you know, what what's that what's that genre and you know, what would that be described as to the to the audience uh, i guess it all falls under like the the rockabilly umbrella i suppose but not to kind of uh just class it as that like it's all based from rhythm and blues western swing jump blues country um and then of course rockabilly too but i think uh my guitar playing style i try to base it from all that sort of stuff and combine them into kind of like a hot bit of what would be mine essentially mm. yeah I, I love it like because i just listen to it and to me it's you know it's not necessarily the music that i listen to the most but when i chuck it on it's a mixture of a really fun guitar playing and really boppy um i don't know if this is the right words but like i just listen to it and i go it's just fun music like it's not yep. no matter even if you don't like it at all if you don't tap your foot to it i think there's actually something medically wrong with you like because it just <laughs> it just has that it has that rhythm it has that go like it's it, it's fun like there's always something kind of happening um uh, in the song i know that's what when i hear it um that's a good description outside of, I like that. <laughs> outside of the beatles and that that early um you know punk scene and the like it, you know if we're talking about this rockabilly is there is there any artist that you go man like they they are like the number one like they are the, the artists that i go you know if you could even play you know a, a show with said artist you know who who would that be who would you uh, transcribe a lot of your music and and playing to Oh, that's it's a hard one, bro. Because over the years, I've been really fortunate enough to to play shows with some of those dudes that I've really looked up to back then, and kind of that was a really hard thing. Like over the last two years, like um, and not to say it from an egotistical kind of point of view, but some of those goals that I set out to 
to achieve, like personally playing and then playing the band with those people, we did. And it was really scary because it's kind of, I can't remember who said it, but I, I heard the quote the other day about someone getting to the top of Everest, then what do you do then? It's kind of, um, once you reach that peak, it's kind of, mm. it's scary. Like sometimes it's, it's not good to go that extra step to kind of reach the top, I think. Because <laughs> where do you go next, you know? Um, but there's a lot of dudes from the 40s and the 50s and 30s onwards that I, I would have loved to see, maybe not necessarily play with because they're absolute monsters. And I wouldn't have been able to keep up with them, you know? <laughs> but um but but thankfully over time yeah some of the guys who i consider heroes have been kind enough to let me sit in or watch or just have a conversation and that's something that um i think is super important in, in the music we play because essentially it's a it's a dying music because it's you know 70 80 90 years old that you really need to kind of share the story about it, pass it on to the next generation. And, and a lot of these dudes have to me, which I feel super fortunate for, bro. Yeah, that is awesome. So other than, you know, jumping onto Spotify or whatever and listening to your music, who would be the mm -hmm. one band you'd be like, go listen to this because this is what, you know, this is the good stuff. <laughs> I'll give you a couple because one doesn't really sum it up. Yeah, but, love um, it. a couple even better. <laughs> If you wanted a broad kind of uh, background of, of what I listened to and, and how I got to that stage, uh, a few dudes would be Wayne Hancock. He's a guy from, from Austin who plays kind of like a, in a Western swingy kind of jazzier style who some of the guitar players on his, his records really kind of just yeah, knocked me out. Uh, Big Sandy and the Fly Rope Boys, amazing band from LA. They've done so many records over the years and both the guitar players uh tk smith and ashley kingsman have been really big inspirations deke dickerson another guy from la he's a killer um jimmy fawn the fabulous thunderbirds uh and these are guys who are still around nowadays that you can listen to but that's kind of a a good variety of people from blues to rockabilly western swing and yeah, that's it's a good starting point anyway. There's many more, but that's a a good starter pack for the for that. That's a great. Listener. That's a great start. That's a great start, and I think yeah, we'll find. I'll have to have a have a look at them. So, I know you've mentioned this to me in the past, and you've even um, you know taken time away from the the business for music to go overseas um, and perform mm -hmm. it and do that type of thing. I suppose you know this might be a really tough question, which you know I've asked to a few other um, guys I've interviewed as well. But what's been in a sense the best country? Um, that I, you've either played music at or experienced, um, yeah, and, and why was that? Was it the was it the people? Was it the geography? Was it the sites? Or you know what what was that country? What was that one country for you? And you go ah yep that's the that's the spot. Do you have one of those countries? <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's two, and for two reasons. Um, uh, the for gig wise, uh, the Basque country in Spain, we did. <clears throat> pardon me, a show there uh, four years ago now um, at this massive festival called Azkina Rock Festival uh, in Vitoria. And it's, it's just ridiculous. It's kind of like the who's who of, of good music uh, over a three-day weekend. And not only do they have it in like a big showground, the main kind of town square, which is, is super old and it's just, it's beautiful. They have... Uh, like a, a street festival and bands playing there. And uh, we did the daytime there 
and there would have been about 10,000 people there, which was just so wild. It was just the biggest crowd we've played to before. And then we went to the, the show at night and played there as well. And it was insane, bro. Like we played and then Chris Isaac played and then John Fogarty from Creedence Clearwater Revival. And wow. It was just, yeah, it's, we've, we've never experienced anything like that. But uh, that kind of ties it to the, the next kind of town that I mentioned. Because uh, the guys that I play with in Europe, most of the time are my friends from Belgium. And uh, Belgium's been a super awesome country as our main base for a lot of the European tours because our tour managers from there and then the guys that I play with from there as well. So uh, I spent a lot of time in, in old turnout, which is maybe 45 minutes away from Antwerp. And uh, yeah, the, the, the people and the food and the culture and just my friends, it's, it's super cool. And I feel super fortunate to have experienced it. Yeah, that is awesome. I suppose not many people are going to have the chance ever to, to stand in front of 10,000 people, let alone then, you know, play the guitar, sing, uh, be a part of a band. C- can you put a, can you put words to that feeling? Like what's that moment when you step out and you see a sea of people in front of you <laughs> all with the understanding and the knowledge that they're there to listen to you play what, half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever it is. Like what, what's that feeling like? That, that must be incredible. <laughs> it's it's strange that's that's no lie um especially coming from here playing to a a non-english speaking audience or english not their first language and people knowing the songs and it's a bit of a freak out to be honest because it's kind of (laughs) i don't know we i don't see ourselves uh in that kind of light as being that well known and i'd prefer to keep it like that because it kind of makes us work harder Hmm. um but it's it's just enjoyable getting to play with your friends and for people at that scale in in regards to the numbers to be able to enjoy it with your friends um it's amazing and and i think it's something that you really need to kind of appreciate because yeah it's it's something that I, i don't get to experience all the time but it definitely um is a very humbling moment doing that and then coming back and working at the shop and I enjoy the balance because it keeps you honest and authentic to, to your true self, I guess. Yeah, I love that. Honest and authentic to your true self. That's, that is awesome. <laughs> I think that's, that's really cool. I suppose it, it might be, it might have been that gig in Spain, but do you have that, do you have that one gig that you go, yep, whether it was musically we just nailed it or whether it was just the crowd or whether it was the atmosphere or is there that one, you know, best gig that you've played or is there, there are a couple? Well, that, that would have to be the one, I think. I was actually thinking about that when I was, uh, or before we started chatting, and that came to mind straight away. But um, I guess we could we could flip the coin and I could tell you about one of the scariest gigs we've ever played. Yeah, love it. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> so as, um, as young, kind of like 16, 17-year-olds, we're still kind of in, in the punk band, um, but we started experimenting more so with rhythm and blues and rock and stuff and my uncle not a blood uncle uh it's half my family's polish and uh, a lot of the early immigrants uh from poland and from europe from from our town in maitland are super close so we we got to know the families very well my, my nana and my parents did so uh this man my uncle 
he's part of an outlaw motorcycle club that um, I guess is known in Australia. And he's just my <laughs> uncle. I didn't know nothing about the bike club. And so he's like, yeah, we'll get the boys down to play at the clubhouse. And so if you can imagine a stereotypical kind of like bikey clubhouse as a fortress with wire and, and everything else around it. And uh, we're not really thinking about what we're kind of getting ourselves into. And so dad drives <laughs> us all down <laughs> and we get to the clubhouse, we get let in uh, and it's all very kind of just nods and, you know, not much talking. We set up. Uh, and there's maybe 500 dudes in there, like, again, like stereotypical kind of bikies, leather beards, everything, you know, that you'd expect, tattoos. And um, we've done the first song and we thought we went all right, like we're trying to give it some to kind of, you know, make it a little bit more appealing and make it sound like a bit tough, you know, when we're just 16-year-old kids, very green. <laughs> and um, just not a clap, nothing at the end of it, like no response whatsoever. Not even a grunt. Like, nothing, bro. Like just oh, silence. Wow. <laughs> like like what you would see in a movie, I guess, you know? Oh. And um we're just like, shit. Fuck, what's 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 happening, you know? And <laughs> and so like you just you keep playing. Like it's what do you do? You just gotta you gotta do the job that you're kind of hired for. So we play and the same thing the whole way, forty five minutes, nothing. And then um at the end my uncle comes up, it's like boys great job like slaps us on the back like everyone's loving it it's awesome it's epic so good and we're like really like are they it's like, yeah <laughs> it's like no nah, don't worry about those old bastards they're just too tough to, to show their appreciation they love it they're into it and then so when we went and got beers and had a chat at the bar like everyone was stoked and it, it was all good so it was just a matter of you know we're judging the situation with our eyes rather than what we we're kind of hearing or you know having a conversation but before we got on for the next set, there was a couple of buckets of beers, a couple of packs of cigarettes, and then a few more exotic things to smoke. And uh, we were kind of accepted, but just, yeah, those first initial 45 minutes were, whew, oh, look out. Man. It was definitely a, <laughs> definitely a, an interesting one. That is tough. I can imagine just finish, finishing a song and being like, thank you. Nothing. <laughs> Um, well, I assume we'll play another song. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's go. <laughs> Oh, it's exactly is, it, bro. Yeah. Is there that one band or, you know, that one gig? I think we all have it, you know, with live music. You know, I can think of a couple of gigs that I've been to where I've just left feeling, I don't know, just absolutely elated and like nearly privileged that I got to see that band live. Is there, is there one, you know, band that you've seen and you've gone, wow, that was you know, the best show that I've ever seen? Mm, it's, it's hard to say because over the years, it's been so many moments and much watch what we said before about uh getting to play with some of those guys um who were my heroes uh, i think some of those moments where i've sat in with bands and actually played um because it's always much more enjoyable playing for me as a musician uh, and getting to hear some of that stuff but hmm. I, I won't say any names because that won't be yeah i might be jumping ahead of myself if i do that <laughs> But there is moments in my mind where time is kind of frozen um, and much as what you're saying yourself, where you're just elated about what had happened and just like, wow, so cool. Yeah, if there's one thing that I've really missed in this sort of, I suppose, extended lockdown period is that that element of, of live music. Like it's just, you know, one 
one, you know, always seeing your favorite band from like the States and all of a sudden they post on Facebook being like, we're coming to Australia. And that feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to actually see them. Like, that is awesome. Well, that, um, I love that music story. I think that, that is absolutely fantastic. And <laughs> I suppose in the sense, um, you know, the, the third part of, you know, what we can align yourself with is a, you know, the barbershop, the music, but also the surfing component. Um, you know, we've had many mm-hmm. chats in the shop um, about surfing. You know, was that again something, you know, there's not many uh, local breaks in the Maitland area that I'm aware of anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was the what was the, the point again? Like where did, where did surfing um, kick in for you? Was that just a thing that you again acquired early or, or where, where did that, where did that join up? Uh, I, I guess it ties in with skateboarding. Um, and I was mm. skateboarding all through my kind of teens and into my twenties, but the folks would always take us up north for the school holidays and then any other kind of little weekend run and, uh, would always go north to like Pacific Palms or, see your rocks around those areas lovely spot. and yeah super awesome bro and um i think just seeing some of the guys out there kind of and especially dudes on longboards at the time like there was never really any any younger dudes surfing longboards at the time it was always the kind of the old guys but kind of seeing a flowing sense to to what i kind of enjoyed in in skateboarding at the time uh that was the kind of connection and then especially just kind of trying to find something to do like when we were young kids up there hmm. uh when we weren't skateboarding because there's only a few spots that we could and we always used to get chased away or out of those areas for making too much noise or looking like we're being destructive so i think that was the the natural thing to do but for a long time i kind of resisted it because i just i thought nah you don't listen to punk rock and you can't surf that just that doesn't tie in at all what's going <laughs> on <laughs> Yeah. Do, you, do you remember your first log do you remember your first board i do i still have it yeah awesome i um i've actually given it to to pierre the other barber at, at flying tiger i guess yeah uh, as, as you know but as folks who are listening wouldn't he moved out from france last year 2020 uh and he didn't have any boards at the time but he bought a few short boards locally from a few local shapers and one of the long boards and to save him spending a thousand for two grand on one, I said, oh, I'll just take one of my old ones. So I gave him that and he still rides it now. And it's pretty funny to see it still kind of living and breathing around the area because it's, it's a pretty unique looking thing compared to stuff we ride nowadays. Oh, good. That's awesome that it's done the test of time that it's, that it's lasted <laughs> and then you get to pass that on to somebody else. I think that 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 is awesome in itself so you mentioned you know you got some you got some favorite you know you you grew up in you know seal rocks and, and those types of areas do you do you have a favorite a favorite break you know one that and if it's a secret you know we don't want to share any surfing secrets here but you know like is there a favorite spot where you go you know what if i could surf that every single day and it was around the corner i, I would what would what would your spot be Oh, there's a few in Newcastle, and I I won't say what the names are for, for the reasons you just said. I don't want anyone uh, knocking on my door, being like, "Don't you dare publish that." <laughs> but um, yeah, it's kind of a, there's a few crackers, and and maybe more so because of the, the friends you're surfing with too. Like that that mm. accounts for a big thing, I think, for all of us when we're out there. Um, and then, of course, like uh, Pacific Palms area, there's so many great waves there too. And, and again, like Newcastle, it's super quiet. Um, but then even here, 
like one spot that I will mention that's not secret at all. It's one of the most populated beaches that, that you surf as well, like Manly Beach, but the, the volleyball courts there get super good and everyone just never really checks it because it's one of the most obvious spots. But uh, I've had some epic sessions there with a few buddies yep. and then, and then the, the bower as well. I surfed there this morning and so many people, but you can always find one. Yeah, some great little spots spots around us here at the moment. I'm loving uh, the South Curly Pool at the moment off there, that little oh, nice. right-hander off the point. Yeah, that's that's been really, really fun uh, at the moment. We've got some big swell coming our way at the moment as, as we talk, so um, which is good. So, you know, you, you said you ride, um, you know, the log and the long boards at the moment. You know, what, what's, your, what's your go-to? You know, do you have your favourite board that you're using every time or do you have a, a couple that you sort of rotate in between? Yeah, there's a couple, um, and I'll always check before um, before I go to the beach just to, to see what to take. Sometimes I get it wrong and just, yeah, totally don't have the right board for the day, but um, I try to kind of keep consistent with what the waves and the wind and uh, everything else is kind of doing combined. But I've kind of whittled it down to three boards at the moment, like long, mid, and short. Uh, and my long board, I feel, is my best all round longboard that I have at the moment. And then my mid length is often the go-to because it works in big and small waves. Mm. And then I've got, I wouldn't call it a short board compared to today's standards because <laughs> it's still <laughs> six two, um, but it's not really a modern day short board. It's more based off what was being written late sixties, early seventies, I guess. But that, that would be the three main ones because I've had many in varying sizes like that fit each category over the years and I've had to kind of cull it just with apartment living and not much space. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd say the mid-length. I've got a McTavish Rincon, which is a 7.6 single fin and that's probably probably the go-to a lot of the time, I think. Absolute beautiful board. Yeah, as we know, Dave, one of my our good mates, uh, rides his eight-foot Rincon. Unfortunately, in Singapore at the moment, not getting much use the old Rincon. I might maybe break <laughs> into his garage and maybe sneak it out of there for it. That <laughs> That's a, it is an absolutely beautiful board. Mate, two more questions uh, and then we'll wrap it up and this has been been awesome. One question I'm going to ask every single surfer that's going to come on the High People podcast is the following. Is mm-hmm. surfing the most selfish sport? <laughs> oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> There's been varied answers. Yeah, well... I don't know. I think well, it possibly is in regards to a team sport. It's not something you can particularly do to to rack up points with a group of people in one and go. Or maybe you could, like it's something like the wave pool, Kelly's wave pool, or something. But uh, potentially. But then again, is it bad to be selfish on some of these sort of things? Like, I think you need to be in a in a certain aspect on some kind of personal kind of goals, maybe. But but maybe, maybe surfing is perhaps, yeah. What do you think? I reckon if you were to be selfless um, that you know, on some <laughs> waves, I reckon that's good. But in saying that, waves don't catch themselves. Uh, paddle, the guy that paddles the hardest sometimes gets the wave. Uh, and I think, you know, it, there has to be an element of selfishness because it's you versus the environment uh, versus other people as well. So I think if it gets to the point where, you, you know purposely dropping in on people or you know snaking people and the like that's where that's the selfish attitude that i don't like in the surf in the surfing but like if you're mm-hmm. you know on a wave and you know that you're trying to ride that wave as best as possible absolutely you need to be selfish if you're already on that wave mate go for it 
rip it. That's, that's, <laughs> that would be that would be my approach to it anyway. That's a good answer. I didn't think about that. I was thinking more on um, on family terms about being away from you know family and children hmm. perhaps. But that's that's a that's a good a good thought too. Play. I like that. Yeah, I would agree with that, bro. That's good. I'll take that answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll copy like, and paste. We'll, like, we'll copy and paste that answer in. No, that's easy. <laughs> Well, mate, it, it's been an absolute um, pleasure to have you on here. I know when I started the High People podcast, um, you were one of the names that went straight on the list because, you know, I love going to get my hair cut at, at Flying Tiger Barbershop. I love having a chat with you. And I think that's the one thing I always say is that, you know, I get to go to the shop, I get to have a chat with Pat and I also get my hair cut. You know, it's in, in nearly in that order, which is, um, I think, a real testament to you, a real testament to your business model that you've set up. and. You know, you've always got a couple of interesting stories, which I wanted to get on. So um, thank you so much for, for coming on. I really hope you enjoyed the, the time to reflect. And I suppose, what, what can we do, mate? How can we support your business? Um, where can we get your music? Um, and where can we, you know, find your business? Um, we're across all, like, the, the typical kind of websites and so on at flyingtigerbarbershop.com. And then for, for music and, and other creative things at pakapochi.com. Uh, the shop is pretty active on Insta and Facebook. I'm in between Insta and Facebook at the moment. I'm kind of still trying to work out the best relationship mentally and uh, creatively kind of like through it because hmm. I think uh, the, the podcast is a testament to that, to, to wanting to connect with people straight up. And I find that a bit hard with social media sometimes that you, you bypass that element of, of – yeah you know, talking to people and you kind of get lost in that vortex of stuff that you don't really need to know about, about someone's food or, you know, something like yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's maybe not as much on Insta as there should be, but I, I try to do uh, an update on our web or on my personal website every month. So you can subscribe to uh, a newsletter that I put out and then Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, all the tunes are over that. Um, but yeah, that would kind of be the majority of the stuff you could kind of find all the, the personal endeavors on. Perfect, mate. Well, again, thank you so much um, for your time, for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat and mate. best wishes with all the creative um, endeavors that you have. And mate, I, I personally look forward to the shop opening back up again so we can have a chat <laughs> and have a beer and, and have a haircut. That's, I'm really looking forward to that as well. Me too, brother. Thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. You're doing no. epic things, bro. It's awesome. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate it. Cheers.